I don't know if you can see this, but um, I'm sure some of you are sometimes wondering how seriously uh, we take theology around here, how much of what we do is grounded in it. Um, and just so you know, uh, Keller, our bassist, uh, Michael Keller, uh, he's using a systematic theology book to uh, hold up his order of service. And so, yeah, we take theology really, uh, really seriously here. I was excited to see that getting, finally that book's getting used uh, <laughs> in a productive and, and good way. Uh, we all pray with me. Jesus, we so need you in our lives. Most, most days, most moments, we, we even want you, but to hear the things that Isaiah 9 proclaims, that this is who you are in our life, sometimes can feel too good to be true, too overwhelming. Our lives don't always seem to match up with the good news this proclaims. And yet we believe it is true. We believe it is true for us. And so as we hear your word this morning, God, may it sound true. May it feel true. May we encounter it in a new way, leave here knowing this is the type of God you are for us and with us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So we continue to look at this passage from Isaiah 9, and we've added verse 2, uh, and then we jump over to uh, verse 6. Listen for God's word for each of us this morning. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Everlasting Father, that's what we're talking about today. It's, it's one of the most consistent themes uh, and ways of talking about God in Scripture, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's, it's got to be one of the most common. But i got to be honest, uh, of the four descriptions in Isaiah 9, when we, we started with Wonderful Counselor and then Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, this one, Everlasting Father, is the one I've been looking forward to the least. It's, uh, it feels like the worst combination of boring and important. Like... Uh, like giving a sermon on breathing, uh, which someone would be like, oh, well, we really, you know, you, there's some good insights on breathing, and, that's, and breathing's important. And I'd be like, you're right, you're right, it is. But, but try just thinking about breathing for 20, 25 minutes, let alone talking about breathing. You'd be like, okay, enough of this. Let's just get on with it. Uh, we know it. Uh, that's how it feels with this idea of God the Father. But then a few weeks ago, uh, Colin Edwards member of our church, was leading our men's Bible study uh, that meets here. And, and he told this story from his childhood that just reoriented things for me again. It reminded me how powerful this image actually is. 
It, it reminded me that just because it's familiar, that does not mean that understanding that God is our Father is somehow less transformative. When Colin was uh, little, he had to go uh, to the hospital uh, for a medical procedure. And um, he was in the hospital, and while he was there, he, he was next door to a girl from another country who didn't speak English. And in their room, you know, Colin's room is nice and quiet and letting Colin rest. Their room is just full of commotion, and people were shouting and screaming all the time. And so the Edward Stanley, they're kind of, they had their focus just consistently, like, wondering, what is going on over there? And so they always have their ear out and things like that. And, and then uh, all of a sudden, Colin heard something that he said he would never forget. In the other room, finally heard something he could understand. This little girl, she shouted, Mama! And he said, I mean, I can't articulate it even the way he did, but he said it was this, it was this cry of hope and surprise and awe and joy, all mixed into one, to where he said he would never forget it. So much so that even his parents and him, they're like, okay, well, we got to figure out what's going on over there. And what they found out was this girl had been flown to the United States to have a surgery because she was uh, partially blind. And the cry of mama was the moment that she saw her mom for the first time. For the first time. And Colin said, it was seared in his brain. He would never forget what that sounded like. And all of us in the Bible study were like, oh my gosh. We weren't even talking about that, but it just hit all of us too. Like It's just like a ton of bricks because there's something about the parent child relationship that that speaks to our our deepest needs and desires as people whether it's whether it's our own relationship or uh, we see it articulated in some way in somebody else's life it hits at the core of us and maybe you're sitting there you're saying like okay i agree parents are very important they have a big impact on our lives my therapist has told me that repeatedly uh uh but what does that have to do with, with God as my father? How does the importance of my parents uh, or the impact they've had on my life have anything to do with, with understanding who God is? Well, whether we've had a, a great relationship with our parents or a horrible relationship with our parents or, or something in, be, in between, at some point, and this is true for every single person who has ever lived, at some point, we leave our parents. We feel in some way this pull to go out on our own. I think it's God-given. I think it's this little, I've said it before, this little shot of puberty that says, you know what? I don't know if my parents' love is quite enough. I think I should go out and try to figure out uh, on my own what it looks like. In, in some way, deep inside of us, we realize our parents' love is not enough. Or 
If our parents haven't been that loving or they've been absent, we realize that our, our coping mechanism to make up for our lack of parents' love is not enough. And the best way I could describe it is we realize we're naked. If you're wondering if that's happened to you, I'd ask you to remember what middle school was like. That's, that's it. That's when the shot begins to happen, and you say, I want something more. I need to go live out on my own. And all of a sudden, you realize that you don't have the cover of your parents, and you feel a little naked. We begin to live into the famous quote from St. Augustine, that thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. In essence, we were made to be the Lord's children. And once we step beyond our parents' love, and at some point it is right and it is good to step beyond their love, we will live anxious, untethered lives until we find comfort and rejoice in the good news that we have a heavenly Father. Our deepest desires, and I don't really care how old you are, what your life is like, I think our deepest desires is to know we are not an accident. That we were fearfully and wonderfully made. I think our deepest desire is to hear that no matter what we do or what we accomplish, that we will always be loved by the one who made us. The beginning of it all. And friends, this is the relationship the Lord offers us. It's not something that God makes us find or discover or, or earn or work for. This is, this is how God comes into our life. It's this kind of relationship that restores us over and over again. Do you believe that? Is that how you describe your relationship with the Lord? I was reading uh, this book recently. It was about prayer, but he had, the, the author had this... Uh, kind of a mind experiment where he said, imagine going to a therapist and talking about your relationship with God, but just putting it in the framework of it being your father. And, and imagine how the therapist would respond. You know, you might say like, um, well, I go to him mostly when I need something and I'm a little nervous of whether I'm good enough or I, uh, I talk, uh, I, I'm not sure if I'm ever doing the right thing and I'm afraid what he thinks of me or, or whatever it might be. And he says, however we usually describe our relationship to God, if we were to just put it in the, in the parental terms, I think a lot of therapists would say, it sounds like you have a very dysfunctional relationship with this person. And I think that's true for me a lot of times. I'm not really confident the Lord cares about how I'm feeling or what my, how my day's going. He's not really there to support me no matter what. But that's not who God is. It's just hard to believe. 
And yet Scripture could not be more clear that we have an everlasting Father, that this is His essence. Not just sometimes, but always. From beginning to end. Everlasting. And the incarnation, the the birth of, of Jesus into our lives, is that essence made manifest. As John 3.16 so famously puts it, for God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. The birth of Jesus is the big move of God's plan to remove any doubt that we might have about who we are in God or how God relates to us. Christmas is the first step to know that we're invited to see the Lord like that girl saw her mom in the hospital. Just excited, surprised, overjoyed. That's what the Lord desires for us. When Jesus is born, He becomes this ever-present bridge that invites us to claim or to reclaim our status as God's children. And this happens at every point in His life. And this isn't going to be a long sermon. This is pretty much it. But I just want to go through and just show you in Jesus' life how many different ways and how many different opportunities He invites us to claim who we are in God. So we begin. Jesus is born. Born into this world as God's Son. And in essence, He's proclaiming that it's possible for people to have this status. Jesus comes as a person. And so we say, man, this is a real thing. This isn't some hypothetical. This isn't something when we get to heaven. That that we can be these kinds of people right here on earth. And then when Jesus grows up, what does he do? This guy Nicodemus, he comes and he says, how can I have a relationship like you do? How can I have this? And and Jesus says, you can be born again too. Born just like me. The reason I'm able to be God's son is I'm able to, uh, to be born in the Spirit and you are invited the same way. Simply reorient your life around the Lord and you will enter this kind of relationship. And then Jesus begins His ministry with His baptism where He's called God's Son who God is very well pleased with and He's sent out with the authority of the kingdom to do His work. And then what does Jesus do? He invites us to be baptized. To be called God's beloved. To to join our Father's work. Our life is given purpose and power and grace exactly along the lines of Jesus. Still, I mean, it's hard to remember this truth in a broken world. Life's hard. doesn't always feel like the Lord's with us in this way. And what we see is that Jesus stays connected to the love of the Father through prayer. Consistently praying. And finally, the disciples are like, well, how do you pray? And what does Jesus say? I'll teach you. And pray with the Our Father. Pray, always beginning by claiming this identity in God. But the Lord knows sometimes our identity is God's children. It's hard to remember because we're broken people too. And so on the cross, Jesus, 
He submits to death. He takes on our sin. He willingly submits to joining us at our worst. And in that moment, what does Jesus do? He prays to the Father. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then he asks for the Father to receive him, even as he is covered in our sin, so that no matter where we are in our life, no matter who we are, we know that that the Father in heaven has not only forgives us, but wants to receive us as his children. And then finally, Jesus gives us an avenue to rejoice in who we were meant to be, to learn to live in this identity. He says, as I leave here, just gather in my name. And what will happen is you will actually become my body. You will begin to abide in what it looks like to be sons and daughters of God as the body of Christ. And so, friends, when we say that that Jesus is born into our lives, we're claiming that no matter where we find ourselves on the journey of faith, we actually have the way, the truth, the life to remember and claim God as our Heavenly Father. We're invited to turn from doubts and restlessness and believe we are actually God's beloved children. This is what we try to do as the church. Very thematic music. I don't want this to end sounding like a bunch of platitudes. That's a bunch of information. I don't want it to be like, yeah, I basically heard something very close to, um, to what I've heard before. God loves me when I'm a sinner, when I'm not, whatever. And so I'm going to end by taking a small risk. Sometimes uh, I like to write poetry. I only send it to Micah. And then he ignores me. He just doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't respond. Uh, uh, but I wrote this one poem uh, because I was thinking about um, how much I love my, my kids. And a lot of my poems are about how terrible I am or how hard life is and they're really depressing. This one was like actually exciting. Uh, and this is the end of it. Uh, this is the end of it. It was about when I'm taking my kids to carpool, uh, taking them to school. As I wrote, uh, So my sons and I round out our sunrise conversation by debating playground specifications, favorite water cups, and proper shoe attire for fastest feet performance. Until the teacher opens the car door And I tell my boys to be brave and kind, and I wonder if it sounds like the deepest longing that I've ever known. That's what I feel like when I'm actually present in my life as a father. Oh, I just want you to be brave and kind, to know who you are. That's what I want. And friends, the Lord's love is oceans deeper than mine. 
stretches beyond belief. And it's for you. And so when we look at the life of Jesus and it's this invitation to live in this way, no matter where you might find yourself on the journey of faith, God wants us to explore that relationship, to abide in it. He wants you to know that you are worthy. That you are a child of God, always and forever. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we are so grateful for your life. Whether it's because we need to begin our faith journey again by claiming a new life in you. Or if we're floundering for purpose and simply need to remember our baptism that we have been invited to to join God's work with authority that the Father wants us to be with Him or we're broken down by the difficulties of this world or by our own brokenness we're invited through prayer and engagement with your cross to know we are always invited to be your children. Or if we just need the joy of, and the ability to worship as your people, we see in you a way of being the church, the body of Christ. God, wherever we might find ourselves, pray that we might believe the good news that you are our everlasting Father. And we might find joy, surprise, and awe in that good news. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.